This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. Jack should be joining us here in a minute. But while we wait for him, let's get a little bit into the Thursday night game. As the Eagles go two and up, their record goes to two and zero oh, as they beat the Minnesota Vikings thirty-four to twenty-eight last night. Hurts went eighteen for twenty-three for one hundred ninety-three yards, one touchdown, one interception. DeAndre Swift, twenty-eight carries for one hundred seventy-five yards and one touchdown. Devontae, uh, sorry, that was yeah, Devontae Swift. Swift, Devontae Smith had four receptions, 131 yards, and one touchdown. Kirk Cousins goes 31 for 44, 384 yards, and four touchdowns in a losing effort. Justin Jefferson had 11 receptions for 159 yards. And Minnesota drops to 0-2 on the season. Four turnovers, folks. Uh, they had a, a few turnovers last week, too. And... Uh, We'll have Jack coming up here and share some of his thoughts on Thursday night football. Good morning, Jack. Hey, good morning, Matt. How are you doing? Doing fine, doing fine. Glad that you could make it in and join us. Jack, Minnesota Vikings, again, turned the ball over this to this game, four turnovers. And it was almost like they were trying to give the game away to the Eagles last night. Yeah, yeah, Mac. Yeah, uh, let me just comment. It's called a Mac and Jack Sports Show, so thank you for welcoming me on. I know you like the spotlight to yourself, Mac, but you're going to have to share it today, especially yes. since you made the clerical error putting down in my preseason predictions that I predicted the Vikings would be a playoff team. I said no such thing. I said it was the Cowboys. Let me keep stating that for the record. So at the end of the year, when the year goes by, you're going to want to point it out as evidence, my predictions. Listen, sluggish start for teams early in the year. A sluggish start for the Philadelphia Eagles this year. But they're 2-0. As Pag says, they're getting the Ws. It doesn't matter how a team plays right now as long as they're trending towards improving and they get the victories. They get the victories right now. It pays off late on as far as home field advantage, you know, obviously getting in the playoffs before then. And the Eagles haven't been at their best the first two games against New England and now against Minnesota, yet they won both games. That's the mark of a really good team. When you're underperform, you're not at your best, you're still winning. Uh, things get better as the season goes along. And the Eagles are going to have the type of year we thought they would have. Vikings and Eagles, what a sloppy game, Mac, with all those turnovers in the first half. And Justin Jefferson about to score a touchdown, and he stretches out, loses the ball. It's a touchback. They lose seven points out of that. Philadelphia recovers. They get the 61-yard field goal at the end, and... That's like a 10-point swing van. It's, uh, it, the Vikings have to be very frustrated. They're 0-2. Yeah. 
Good morning, I mean, Ian. Good morning, Ian, from Australia. Uh, I, I I love Australian football. I guess they got the Final Four going up there, and ninety six thousand fans. Wow! So that's a that's a big thing in Australia. You're right, Jack. A win is a win. Uh, it doesn't really matter how you win. And I think what's happening is me and Jim talked about earlier uh, earlier in the year. Football is a circular thing. And here comes the ground and pound again. You know, they draft all these light, fast defensive players, heavy draft and defensive backs, number one picks. And now the, the teams are saying, hey, if you're going to put these light defensive players on the line of scrimmage and we got a big offensive line like the Eagles do, we're just going to run the ball at you. And you, you, see, you saw some of that last weekend. I think you're going to see a lot of that this weekend too, Jack, with teams with good running, uh, running games are going to just pound the ball away and take advantage of the smaller offensive line, uh, defensive linemen. And when we talked about a lot, Mac, in the preseason, the value of running backs, the Minnesota Vikings think Dalvin Cook is expendable. They let him go. They weren't willing to pay him. And now where's their running game at? They have no running game at all. They had Dalvin Cook's backup in there. He was ineffective yesterday. And without a running game, you better have a running quarterback. Let's put it that way. If you don't have the right running backs, you better have an elite running quarterback who could pick up yardage that way. And Kirk Cousins isn't that for the Vikings. He's not a running quarterback. He's basically a pocket passer. So the Vikings have some problems they're gonna, going to have to iron out. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, good morning, Joseph. Their defense is not as good as last year. Well, you got to remember Mayberry wasn't playing. There was a few Eagles that were out of that game yesterday, and 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 you know Bradbury. There's two others. I'm not sure that, uh, who they were, but I know they had at least three guys out of that game and still beat the Vikings um, again. You know, we're going to see a running game, I think, coming back uh, to uh, to football again. And you're right there, probably the best in defensive lines in the in the in the division, maybe. I mean, San Francisco, you got to put up there with them too. Dallas also. So uh, arguably, I'll give you that, Joseph. And uh, you know, Jack. So anyway, the the, the Eagles go to two and zero. Um, Dallas has a big one coming up with the Jets. The Giants have a game they should win and uh, against the Cardinals. And we'll see what the Commanders do. They had a rough week last week, too. You know, um, you know Matt, a little controversy could be arising. You know, Jalen Brown, the great receiver there on the Eagles, he really, you know, he was going off on the sideline with Jalen Hurts. It could have been just one of those interactions that, looked worse than it actually was, but he wanted the ball thrown to him more. It could have been just a competitive thing. Come on, give me the darn ball, right. and we might be making too much out of it. But keep this in mind, Devontae Smith, who's the 1A receiver on that team, who in at least my opinion potentially could be one of the best receivers in the NFL, how much longer do you expect him to play Robin to Brown's Batman? I mean... Smith is ready to take off, I mean, and show what he could do. I mean, he's performed very he performed very well in his rookie year there, you know, with the uh, Eagles and the couple of years, you know, there. But he's, uh, 
he could be an elite receiver in his own right, one of the best. And yesterday, Hurts hits him on a 63-yard touchdown pass, and he electrified the crowd. And we, we all see his potential. So there might be something brewing in Philadelphia where your top receiver, Brown, all of a sudden has to share the throws pretty equally with someone else. We'll yeah. see how it goes. Oh, but Brown and Hurts actually are good friends because Hurts helped rec- recruit Brown to the Eagles. You know, correct. people forget that. But that's a storyline that maybe we're making too much out of Mac, but let's keep an eye on it to see. You mentioned that, you know, stretching the ball. That has got to be one of the worst rules in the NFL. It kept Cleveland from advancing when they had the Kansas City right where they wanted them at the end. And just because a guy is trying for a touchdown, you're going to penalize him because he stretches the ball over the over the over the pylon, uh, uh, whatever that they call that down at the goal line. He's trying to score, so I think that's a dumb rule, Jack. It's it's because you know of a long time ago when people used to kick the ball into the end zone and recover it. That's not the intent. It's it's called the spirit of the rule that they have in the NFL. They do use that. The guy's trying to get a touchdown. Let's get that rule off the books. We don't need that there anymore. Well, what I suggest, the rule should be altered where the team who had the ball, they stretch. It goes out of bounds in the end zone. They keep possession at their own 20-yard line. It maybe goes back to their own 20-yard line. But what are you going to do on the down? If they're stretching and it's a second down play, are we then going to say third down from their own 20? I don't know, but maybe that's the answer. Yeah, maybe they keep possession, but they could still kick a field goal if they have to, but they still have possession of the ball. But I kind of agree with you. Some rules kind of become outdated in time, and I think this is one of the rules that's a bit outdated. I I, I think that rule should be changed uh, by you know for next year, and hopefully they do that. I mean, it, it's it's almost bad. I've been I've been yelling about this for years. The off you know, the defensive interference when, you know, it's, it's fourth and 17 and you heave the ball down the field and then you got a first and goal at the goal line. I think that's crazy, too. I think and just, Justin Jefferson, who's arguably the best receiver in the game, arguably, uh, he was distraught over losing the ball. Sure. Coach Kevin O'Connell kept going over to him to calm him down. And Justin Jefferson, who's one of the Viking captains, he takes his role seriously. He really felt he let his team down. You could tell the way it affected him, which is good. You know, we tell players to shake things off. But if a player shook things off so quickly where it didn't even bother him, we wouldn't like to see that. So it's a fine line, Mac. We like to see it bother the player enough because he's a competitor and he hates that happening. But then again, you have to have a short memory because the next time you go on the field, you can't be thinking about that. I agree with you there. I, I don't agree with making it a penalty for a guy trying to score a touchdown. I don't. No, when you lost possession of the ball, Mac, that is a penalty. You lose is, possession of the ball; it goes no, out. No, but of I, what I'm saying yeah. is, if you're, you're down by the, like if, any you're other down, play, if you're down by the end zone and you're stretching to, to try to make a touchdown, I don't think the man should be penalized for that. That's all I'm saying. Jeff. No, no, Mac, you lose a fumble out of bounds before the end zone. You keep possession of the ball from the point and where you fumbled. Right. Okay. 
to maybe we should be a little more consistent. Maybe if a team fumbles the ball and it goes out of bounds, then let's have a new rule that they lose possession no matter what when the ball goes out of bounds, not just in the end zone, but anywhere out of bounds. You, so you, 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 don't, you don't lose possession, Jack. The last person that touches the ball, last team has possession of the ball. You don't lose. You don't lose possession of the ball. Maybe, maybe in your own Mac, you fumble the ball. It goes out of bounds anywhere. It's a loss. It down, and the ball goes back to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, maybe that's know. the answer. I don't. I don't know. I just. I just think they've got to adjust that rule. This is not Dave Casper kicking the ball into the end zone trying to get a touchdown. So let's get a little bit. Off racers are are getting hotter by by. By the minute, there are some teams, even though they're over 500, are out of are out of the uh, equation to get in the playoffs. But I'll give them to you anyway. In the American League East, uh, Baltimore is at 91 and 55. Tampa Bay is at 91 and 57. Toronto at 80 and 67. Uh, Boston and New York Yankees are tied at 74 and 73. In uh, in the Central, only one there is Minnesota at 77 and 70. In the West, you still got three-team race over there. Uh, you have Houston at 83 and 64, Texas at 82 and 60, and Seattle at 81 and 65. Um, you may see you may see two teams from the from the West get in there this year, Jack. Uh, with 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 uh, that three-team race going over there right now. Big difference between the AL and then our wild card. The AL wild card teams have to have played well this year, have a good record to get in the playoffs. In the NL, you just have to finish a little over 500. Shame on the Mets. The Mets could have had a bad year. And a bad year for the Mets would have been 85 and 77. Maybe that's going to be good enough to make the playoffs this year. There's a good chance that record is going to get a team into the playoffs. You know, for all we know, 83 and 79 might do it this year when all is said and done. And the Mets aren't even in contention. I mean, shame yeah. on them. The same with the San Diego Padres, two elite yeah. teams. Uh, and they're not going to make the playoffs. And in the AL, it's just the opposite. The Blue Jays just got swept by the Texas Rangers, and that dealt a severe blow to the Blue Jays' playoff chances. Even though they might rebound, there's still time to rebound yeah. and snatch a wild card berth. But they made it very hard on themselves now. And the divisions, Matt, we say it doesn't mean much, and in some cases it might not. But you think of the AL East. The Orioles have a one-game lead over the Rays. It looked like they might shake the Rays after the Rays got off to a great start this year. The Orioles overtook them, but now the Rays came back, and they took, what, three out of four against Baltimore, I believe, and they're only one game behind them now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it would mean a lot to the Orioles organization if they win the AL East with all their young players. It, meant, it would have meant they came all the way back from being a mediocre team for years to actually winning the division. I I I, I love the Orioles are, are 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 at least going to make the playoffs this year. It's good to see you know one of those older teams in AL East going up there and competing again. I I I, I like that especially with the young. Now, players. Even Aaron Hicks is playing well for them. He was yeah. injured for a while. You know he spot he starts a lot you know, and comes off the bench and he's performing. 
Yeah. And I, and the thing that drives me crazy, the Yankees tend to get rid of players who aren't playing well when they can. Not the guys with monster contracts like John Carlos Stanton, who they right. can't just give up his contract and they don't want to eat all that money. That's understood. But a pitcher like Sonny Gray, he has an off year in New York. So they come to the conclusion, oh, you can't pitch because of the pressure of being in New York. What kind of nonsense is that? So they get rid of him. Aaron Hicks, I hear, well, he wouldn't have done this as a Yankee, but he did do it as a Yankee for one year. That's why I got the contract. Let him work it out. Stay the course with these guys. And their number of guys, that's uh, Mike Taubman with the Cubs. You know, he's performing well for the Cubs as an outfielder. The Yankees had him as an outfielder, and they moved on from him. And sometimes the best thing to do with your players is just stay with them. If you, if you feel they have promise at one point, they're not performing, you know, stay with them, keep playing with them. Because if other teams want them and then the other teams are willing to put them in a prominent role and they're decent teams, why not you? Yeah, and, 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 and the Yankees, Donaldson has, has come up with some big hits for the team he's playing with now. Well, too. Donaldson didn't really have a future with the Yankees. Maybe I agree. he can help Milwaukee. I, don't, you know, I, don't. I, think, I think, Jack, some – it's the Yankee fan base. I think some players – I mean, Hicks was booed ex, uh, excessively for anything he did. His eyes were on him. Every time he got up to bat, they booed him. Every time that he uh, missed a play or made an error, they booed him. He was booed constantly. I think it was good for Hicks to push on, get a new team, get a new start. Uh, I don't. He just he just couldn't do it anymore with the Yankees. Wait, it wasn't Hicks' decision, Matt. Ma, ma, I would I would have sat down with Aaron Hicks and said, "Look, you know the fans are booing you for now. It's not fair. It's this, it's that. What do you want to do, Aaron?" We'd like you to stay a Yankee, but if you feel you'd be better off elsewhere, we'll accommodate you. No hard feelings. What's best for Aaron Hicks? You tell us. And if Aaron Hicks says, I really want to stay with the Yankees, I want to work through this, that means he'd be at a decent mindset to do that. I'm going to give you an example of the Yankees moving on from a guy a little too quick. Harrison Bader. He's with Cincinnati now. Moving forward, you'll see. Harrison Bader is going to be a good player moving forward. He's an excellent defensive center fielder, and he's going to be doing it for someone else next year unless the Yankees sign him as a free agent. That's always a possibility in the offseason. But if they just wanted to move on from Harrison Bader because they feel, well, he gets injured, he's this, he's that, you're going to see that's going to turn out to be a mistake. Well, we shall see, Jack. Let's get to the NL. NL East, Atlanta's at 96 and 50. The Phillies at 79 and 57. Miami's at 75 and 72. In the Central, Milwaukee is the only one uh, competing there. There's no other team. They're at 83 and six, 82 and 64. In the West, the Dodgers now have a commanding lead over uh, both San Francisco and Arizona. Their Dodgers are at 88 and 57. Uh, San Francisco and Atlanta, uh, Atlanta, Arizona are basically in the dead heat. San Francisco at 75 and 71, Arizona at 76 and 72. Arizona is the only team, Jack, that's kind of hung in there. They jumped out to a big start, uh, a big 
start. They were playing really good ball, kind of faded, but they've come back and they're still and they're dealing. And, uh, you know, that's one of the teams that I was looking at. Uh, we were looking at the Padres. We we're looking at some of the other teams. So Arizona. Whoa, 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 Mac. You picked the Padres to win the World Series. Don't say you were looking at them. Oh, my you God. picked the Padres I, over oh the Blue Jays God. in the World Series. I, it's no, I I'm tall. Yeah, I'm, still I'm alive about, with the Blue Jays in I'm, the World. Oh, sorry, I meant I meant the Pittsburgh Pirates. My bad, Jack. Oh, okay. Everybody was looking at the Pittsburgh Pirates in the beginning. Yes, I did. Because they got off to a great stud, Matt. The Pirates got off to an incredible start. You know, the Pirates reminded me of a marathon race where it's 26 miles, where you see one runner for the first four or five miles, he's way ahead of the pack because he tears out at a record pace or something. And you know they're going to catch up to him, but they caught the rest of the uh, NL, you know, they caught up to the Pirates pretty quickly and, Pirates are what? There's some like 10 games on the 500 now. Yeah, they, and, felt, uh, they felt they have very some good. good. They, have some young, they have some good young talent there. So maybe in a couple of years, the Pirates are going to be a factor. But right now, uh, they're, they're, it was an illusion, their quick start early in the year. Definitely was. Jack, Jack do, you, do you, I mean, it's been suggested before that at the end of the year, at each conference, they just put, you know, the top eight teams in there with the best records and they play off till you get down to the best team. Are you, are you for that? Or do you think they, in the playoffs are structured? It should stay the same way it is right now. Well, what sport are we talking about? Baseball, here? baseball, baseball. Uh, no, the problem with baseball, there are no real advantages going into the playoffs beyond getting a buy. If a team gets a buy, that's good because that's as if they won a series that they get to advance. But even with that said, it comes with a certain risk because baseball, unlike other sports, it relies on sharpness, okay? And if you give a baseball team an extra week off, unlike football where they can rest, rest up and maintain their sharpness, they kind of lose it in baseball. You got to be playing all the time. I mean, basketball, you could have a week off. They might say it affects your shooting. Eh, maybe not so much. Okay, hockey, the layoff doesn't affect you much. But in baseball, you, you really can. It really could hurt if you're off for 10 days and the other team played the day before. The team that played the day before is probably more ready than you to play. But with that said, I, I think the format's okay the way it is now. Three wild card teams, you know, the team with the best record, you know, get they get buys. So I, I can live with that the way it is. So let's talk a little bit about your, your boy, Aaron Rodgers, there. We'll talk a little bit more with Byron when he comes in. What do you, I mean, with the type of injury he, he has at his age, Jack, do you think that he comes back? I mean, even if he doesn't, the Jets are guaranteed to pay him $75 million, even if he doesn't play another snap. Do you think Aaron Rodgers at his age, and I've watched uh, other uh, former players talk about the excruciating you know, rehabilitation you've got to go through to get back. Now, Rodgers saying he's coming back. He says, I'm coming back, you know, something about the, the sun's going to rise or whatever uh, he said there. But he's – 
He's telling everybody he's coming back. What do you think at a, at a, at a quarterback at 39 years old uh, trying to get over an injury like this? I think he can come back if mentally he's into it. He has to be 100% committed, Mac. If Aaron Rodgers is mostly committed to coming back, he has some doubts. If he has a let's wait and see attitude, I'm going to try to come back. If I'm not comfortable, I can always retire. If he has that second door, then I'm not that optimistic. But if he has a mindset, I'm coming back no matter what. Nothing is going to stop me. I believe he absolutely can. Other athletes have come back from that type of injury. He's not a wide receiver or a defensive end who needs that explosive movement, the cutting. He's not a, a running back. It's a little different from a quarterback. You don't have to quite have the same explosive movements that you know some of the other positions might have to have. Uh, what might be a telltale sign, Mac, what Aaron Rodgers really intends as his mindset is this. As soon as he's able to join the Jets on the sidelines, will he be there? Will he be there for the games? Because if you see him on the sideline for all the games, as soon as he's physically able to, that means he's coming back next year. That means he's encouraging his teammates. He's staying as a leader of the team. But if he's absent the whole time and he's not around and he's just saying the right things, he's going to kind of become somewhat detached from his teammates, even though they'll still have an affection for him. And and that's a bit of a red flag. Good morning, Byron Williams, our NFL hey, analyst. And here's a, here's a former player that may be able to speak on a subject with more expertise, if you will. Byron, the type of injury Aaron Rodgers has, uh, the rehab on this is very, very painful. It's hard to do, even for a young player. A 39-year-old uh, you know, player that... He's got all the money he can ask for. He's got the guaranteed $75 million in the bank. There's, you know, he's going to get paid. I mean, he's a competitor. We know that. But what happens when he starts doing that rehab and the pain is shooting up his leg and it's going to take him, you know, weeks and weeks to get this rehab just so he can walk properly again? What do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to do, Byron? Does he come back next year or is that, you know, his last final series? Well, I think I think he'll be coming back. Uh, just I, I was 34, 35 when I ripped my Achilles. I was still playing. I came back another year. I came back and ran them. The coach said if you could run a four three, um, you could you could play you could play another year with us. And I did. I ran a four three, and I was at thirty five years old. But I just think with his with his commitment and what he wanted to do, I think he he felt now that he's obligated to be there, coach, and help those guys understand the game better, his expertise on what he can do and, you know, off the field with the, with the team as well is so important. And I think he, he came there for, for a reason, and uh, that's getting another Super Bowl. And I think um, this will be, it will be more time to, to, to really invest into the opportunity of, of having Zach Wilson and, and other things like that. So, he, he brings a lot of value to the team. I think that's, uh, you know, he's all about winning. He's all about winning the MVPs and things like that, just like Tom Brady was. And I think uh, that's what he's going to do. I think 
Uh, the Achilles is the only thing about injuring the Achilles is it takes a year. It takes a whole um, commitment of uh, rehab, like you said, and it takes a, a it's an obligation of uh, of you just uh, it's just have to heal itself. Um, every two every two weeks they have to take a cast off and put another cast on for the first probably six or seven weeks just to let that uh, that area heal and stress the and you know stress the ligaments and uh, and and let it let it also come be more stronger as when you come back. But you know, um, Kobe Bryant came back from those injuries. Other players who Kevin played, Durant, right? Yeah, yeah, Kevin Durant. So now you know you got better, better judgment on what to do and how to do things. So I think it's not as serious as it was 20, 30 years ago. I think now they understand how to heal it and get it back to where you can barely be at a high performance level. Let me ask you this, Byron and Mac. I'm curious what you have to say too. People are talking now about Zach Wilson as if he's a, ch a charity case. Who else are they going to bring in? People are assuming that Zach Wilson isn't going to do that well uh, moving forward and the Jets are going to need someone else. Let's say it's just the opposite. Let's say Zach Wilson really has made the improvement. Let's say he starts playing much better and he starts playing like he was worthy of the number overall two pick in the draft. And let's say the Jets go to the Super Bowl with Zach Wilson. Their defense plays great. But let's say Zach Wilson plays very well. And he, let's say he's like Brock Purdy was last year with the Niners. Now Aaron Rodgers is coming back. And it's like, wow, they're thinking. And Aaron Rodgers, who might be diminished a bit next year, as opposed to a rising young quarterback. Now I know... They, they're still going to have to start Aaron Rodgers. There's no way you're going to say you have Zach Wilson's backup. Might that create an uncomfortable situation for the Jets? And for me personally, I think uh, I think now Zach Wilson probably learned a lot just you know going through hard knocks and training camp and being around Aaron Aaron Rodgers as much as he have already. And I think I think it won't cause any kind of confusion because they know that the job is Aaron Rodgers because of what he brings to the table and everything. I just think um, Zach Wilson now can become more material-minded. If you look at Jordan Love and what he did and and how he's doing things, it's the first game, you know, um, with, Green, with Green Bay. Uh, I think if, it's good to sit and watch and stuff. I think now the game is so to where these players are being rushed in, and I think uh, Zach Wilson can be – that good player, I think, is a lot of time you're just not ready to play until you're third and fourth year in the NFL, you know, a quarterback. But that's my opinion. I just think that – I just think Zach Wilson still have a skill set and the talent level to play and perform at a high level. Byron, Mack and myself off the air yesterday, we had a bit of a debate, and we had a difference as far as what the – a difference of opinion, what the Jets should do against the Cowboys. Mac feels the Jets should stick strictly with the running game to be sure Zach Wilson makes no mistakes. But my logic is the Cowboys are going to jam the line of scrimmage. The Jets aren't going to be able to pound it. So my, to my way of thinking, let Zach Wilson, the first possession, open things up. Let him start throwing the ball and put some doubt in the Cowboys' you know, defensive unit's mind. Hey, this guy could pass on us. 
We can't just concentrate on stopping the running game. And as a result, that would help the Jets running game. But I think Wilson should come out firing in the beginning. I think they should run at the Cowboys. I really do because of the way the running backs are uh, performing. I, I think that the, the, the blocking scheme is going to be good. I think Dallas do a lot of upfield rushing and gap control on the defense. And I think they, they only got one really good, so explosive, great linebacker. So I think I'll run at them. I think uh, they cornerbacks going, you know, they they uh, they going to try to cover the wide receivers. But I, I do think that you should run at the Cowboys. I really do. I think you know that's what, the Giants just huh? You know what I love, Byron? I love all these people that put down Zach Wilson. He should he shouldn't even be on a team. They should trade him. And and now they're all, oh, Zach Wilson could, you know, he could be, you know, he should be throwing all the time. And it, come come on. So I didn't say they should trade him. I'm not one of those. Zach Wilson is a average quarterback who throws the ball a bandily downfield. He's gonna make mistakes. He doesn't know how to read the defenses right yet. He hasn't played enough. And the Dallas Cowboys have one of the best pass rushes in the league. They definitely have one of the best defensive back groups in the league. Of course you run at these guys and try to keep them on their heels. It would be a huge mistake for the Jets to go out and start throwing the ball right away because they're going to end up losing the, the game in the first quarter. They got a good Matt, defense. first possession, Matt. That's all no, I'm talking Matt, first about. Possession, the no. Cowboys expect the Jets to run from the get-go. I don't care. Stop the run. The, Jack, the, the way to beat the Cowboys is to run directly at them. That's yeah. the way you beat the Cowboys. You're not going to beat the Cowboys by throwing the ball all over the field. You're just going to put Zach Wilson under pressure, and he's going to end up throwing interceptions on the first drive. I, I, you, That's what you do. You run the ball at the Dallas Cowboys. No. I, Guys, we keep talking about the Jets, but since last Monday when they beat the Buffalo Bills, we haven't talked about Buffalo. They have a 10-point lead at the half. Aaron Rodgers is out. Peyton Manning comes on the halftime show and says things are just going to get worse for the Jets, meaning they're behind 10 points. In other words, he's feeling the Jets could lose this by 20 points or more. And if I'm Buffalo, I say, what just happened? How the heck did we, how on earth did we lose this game? We're up 10 points at the half. No Aaron Rodgers. I well, mean, what just what happened? Jake, you know what? What I saw though, I saw their defense stepped up. They defense stepped up, and they really um, they were they was in perfect position. I mean, intercepted the, you know the safety intercepted the ball three times, um, so they made some plays on defense. You got to get a defense credit, and they stepped up on defensive side of the ball. You just it's just not a, an offense, and then they have a special team. So that other that other part of the team kicked in, and that's what really made the game really exciting because. Buffalo Bills couldn't really do nothing. They couldn't move the ball past the 50-yard line. No, this might be the Jets' best defensive unit in their history, arguably, yeah. in franchise history. It's exciting watching those guys on defense. I yeah. Mean. Yeah, listen, let's 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 not give Buffalo uh, or, or the Jets' defense that much credit as far as – listen, Josh Allen threw the ball in double coverage downfield. He threw it up there for grabs. In the double coverage. He threw the double coverage on the sideline. Josh Allen played a terrible game. The losses is and his alone. Turned the ball over four times against uh, uh, the Jets uh, 
defense, which is good. I'm not saying the Jets defense ain't good. Don't mis don't don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm saying Buffalo and Josh Allen, they got to sit down with Josh Allen and they got to tell him to grow up and stop trying to win games by himself. Let let the let the game come to you. Throw the ball underneath. Run the ball more with the running backs, not Josh Allen. I don't know if Buffalo can do that, Byron. But well, you know, to just say it was because the Jets defense is totally wrong. Yeah, but another thing too, they be trying to they, he be trying to force the ball to Stephon Diggs, and I think that really hurt him as well because he really he don't even look the defense off. He, he really dictating where he's throwing the ball. I think he's not playing complete. Sound fundamental football as a quarterback in this first game. So maybe they'll they'll correct that part and, and that's what they need to do next. But well, 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 Byron, Josh Allen's an elite quarterback. I know he was sloppy, but consider this. He doesn't really have a running game. Yes, James Cook, who did okay, but James Cook shouldn't be a featured back on any team. He should be a, a nice complimentary piece. And he had no blocking. Yeah. No blocking there too. So what's he supposed to do? He made he made a couple of bad throws, and even in overtime, they went three and out when they got the ball first in overtime, and that was like wow. People kind of forget that. Not even to get a first down. Not yeah. even yeah. to be able to get in field goal range. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know you got to get first downs. You got to be able to move the ball. So yeah, you you're absolutely right. Absolutely. Well, Byron. Four playoff contenders. We're going to get to the Giants later because i got a lot to say about that. He doesn't want to get to the Giants, Max. No, Byron gonna, says it's there okay were four contenders. to give him a buy in this show this week. There were four contenders that really just got walloped. Cincinnati against Cleveland. Joe Burrows uh, had hardly any time to throw the ball. I think he completed maybe four passes or something ridiculous. Um, lowest pass for any quarterback, especially the highest paid player in the NFL. The Pittsburgh Steelers get dominated by the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they just ran right through Pittsburgh. Um, yeah. And and you had uh, the last team that, uh, that really looked terrible was the Seattle Seahawks. All four uh, were projected to be contending for the playoffs, Byron. Is, is this just you know, first game. I mean, you, you played it for who cares? Uh, yeah. You chalk it up, or is it a little peek into the future on some of these teams? I think mostly just coming out of the preseason, and this is the first game. I think uh, a lot of adjustments need to be made. You know, of course, you know, uh, Burris um, coming out of out of uh, calf injury, um, and you know, he he hadn't had a good games against Cleveland and Cleveland. As if you look back at the track record the last three years, you know, Cleveland have really had his number in Cleveland. So it's one of those things where, you know, the 49ers, it's 49ers. The defense is awesome, and, and they played the complete game uh, against the Steelers. But I, I just think, too, that the teams with the good coaches, the teams that understand coming out of preseason and the timing and some of the plays and things are not there yet, uh, going to re rebound and reassign and readjust, make the readjustment. Seattle, I think they was cocky. I think they still was building off what they did last year. Uh, but you got to give the Rams credit. They still got the, the, the great coach. They still got uh, some great players on that team, and, and they, they got good young players. I mean, some teams have really uh, improved themselves with good young players, and those are teams that came stepped up in this first week in the NFL. So those are some of the things that's happening right now. And that just goes to show you 
that it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of balance in the NFL for us uh, week to week. Uh, you can get handed your hat and and then see that uh, that's what happened this first week. But I think, you know, the good coaches and and, and some of the good players, and um, you have to make the adjustment, you know, like Bowles have got to get in shape. A couple of players got to get in shape. And that's what's going to happen. That's what we saw the first week, I think. I wouldn't worry about the Cincinnati Bengals. They just have to shed some rust. They might even lose this week again and be 0-2 and Burrow might be so. So, yeah. you know, after a few games, Cincinnati's going to be fine. They're going to make the playoffs. They're a good team. I wouldn't overreact to Cincinnati. You know, the loss to Cleveland and even if they lose to Baltimore, I'm not overreacting to them at all because they're going to be fine. Seattle, I'm worried about. I mean, the Rams are really just a shell of the team that won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, yet they beat the Seahawks decisively, and Geno Smith was terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. And it makes you kind of think. Geno Smith had a great year last year, okay? And I thought he could have a – he was going to have a good year this year. I have some doubts. you got to look at any player, their body of work over their career – that's what you got to look at. And Geno Smith's body of work hasn't been that impressive. That's why he's kicked around the Jets, the Buffalo, the backup to Russell Wilson all the years. And yeah. uh, so he finally got a starting job. He managed the team well last year. I wouldn't be surprised that after a few games, Drew Locke, you know, is in there. If he's playing poorly by next week, I wouldn't be shocked if they pull him for Drew Locke. I know it sounds outrageous, but Drew Locke could have gone to other teams and Seattle convinced them to stay as their backup quarterback, and they did it for a reason. As for Brock Purdy, I thought Sam Darnold should be starting. After watching Purdy against the Steelers, I was wrong. Purdy's the guy. He's yeah, their yeah. best option, that quarterback. He's a special type player. I don't know if he's going to be a great player in the league, but he's definitely a starting caliber NFL quarterback. So kudos to Brock Purdy. His, I, I watched the game against the Steelers, the way he took that defense apart, made some good throws, smart throws. Purdy's here to stay. But one of the things I always, I always think about is practice, the offense coordinators, uh, the position coaches, they keep stats, and you know you still they still you still got to perform like a you know uh, in practice and what you do in the film room and all that. So these guys know who's a better quarterback. You know they feel comfortable with these guys, and they understand. Hey, this is your team. This is your assignment. Blah blah blah. But I, I think personally, you know, um, people forget about practice, and they you know for, to me practice is important, and what you do in practice, what you do in the film room, and what you do. Uh, you know, uh, with the offense coordinator for his game preparation, those are the things that also count too. And that you see that, but when you go into your assignment and you play in the real games, then that's when, you know, that's when your timing needs to be there and that's when you need to step up and that's when your confidence got to kick in and all of that. So those are the intangible things that I know that, uh, that people don't understand. So I know you can write in pencil in people to come in and play, but you still got, to, uh, to understand that these coaches and these and these uh, scouts and everybody that's a part of the team know uh, who the better player is. And that's my yeah, Byron, the big talk around New York here, 
is who are the Jets going to get as another quarterback on their roster? Because they only have Tim Boyle as the backup, right. and they have Zach Wilson, and you need a, you need three quarterbacks, okay? You need to get someone else in here. But some of the names, it doesn't make sense. You hear Colin Kaepernick, give me a break. He's been out six years. And if I'm the coach, I'll be honest about it. Everyone is standing, Colin Kaepernick's taking a knee. Who the heck wants to revisit this? This is your job. You've got to be focused on football 100%. You don't want to be in the lot. You don't want your players in the locker room having reporters come up. Well, what do you think of Colin taking a knee? Because something's going to happen in society, probably during the season, where there's going to be an uproar, where there's going to be demonstrations. You don't want your mind off football. Then we hear Carson Wentz, the same Carson Wentz who lost the starting jobs at Indianapolis and Washington. Yeah, you you absolutely right. It, you got to bring in somebody that really um, that 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 really can bring more value, more you know, just 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 have focus. Somebody that's been playing, huh? Jack wants to talk about the Jets the whole show. We're not going to do that. So we're, we're, we're going to push on. The three young quarterbacks all lost uh, this week. Uh, Bryce Bryce Young, I still don't think is going to be a, a successful quarterback. Richardson played pretty well. He ran well. He threw for three, 233 yards and a touchdown. C.J. Stroud didn't uh, throw for a touchdown or interception. So he had a pretty good game. I think Richardson, the Colts are playing the Texans. Uh, this week, if I'm not mistaken. So right. it's going to be the battle of the rookie quarterbacks. What do you think is going to happen in that game? You got the Texans, or do you think the Colts uh, will beat the Texans with Richardson? Leading the Man, I was, I was, we was talking the other night. I was thinking that the the Texans are going, going to beat the Colts, but well, the, the, they definitely have the better quarterback. Uh, I've been on Richardson uh, uh, bandwagon since, since they drafted him. You know, just going through the training camp and in the combine, and uh, I think he's he's gonna be a good player. He just got to get get this, you know, get some more pieces around him, some good better receivers. But right now, I, I think CJ is just playing good enough not to not to mess up. But when 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 he's still, uh, I still think he got some ways to go. But of all the three quarterbacks, I think Richardson right now has got a little bit more upside than the rest of them. But I really think Houston gonna probably win the game because they play good at home. They 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 was in almost every game last year and I think they have a better you know coaching staff now and of course uh, we'll see but I just think the coast is gonna be really competitive. I just hate that they didn't bring Taylor back and sign him but uh but uh, the coast is they play good they played good the first week I thought yeah, yeah Richardson you know he's a great athlete he loves taking off and running. He got hurt at the end of the game against Jacksonville by trying to score touchdowns. And Minshew actually had to come in at the end of the game. And he has to show that he can be a passer in the NFL. You know, it gets to the point where he can only run so much, as seen by Josh Allen. At least Josh Allen can make some great passes. But Richardson, we have to see that from him. I don't share Mac's opinion I'm Bryce Young. I think he's going to be a really good, good quarterback in this league. And I think by the end of the year, it's going to come together and you're going to like Bryce Young's game by the end of the year. CJ Stroud, it's going to be a, he's going to be, I think, a really good quarterback too, but it, it might take a bit, bit of time. 
But Richardson is more like a highlight real quarterback right now, like you get the oohs and ahs because he's such a great athlete. But I don't have that same feeling long-term for Richardson as I have for younger Stroud. Well, well, let me give you Richardson's stat as far as passing went. He went 24-37, Jack. It's a pretty good game. Yeah. And, 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 passes, how many yards, Mac? You have that. 200, 233 yards. Not bad. Not bad, right? So, no, yeah, not bad. bad. But I, I gonna say, I was gonna say too that Houston. I mean, the Texans had four sacks this first game, though. The defense played well. Yeah, yeah. Well, they got a great defensive coach over there, being the head coach right now, Byron. So I expect Houston defense to play really well, especially in the beginning of the year. Let's take a look at the, the Chargers in Miami. I think this is a preview of the championship, Byron. Uh, you know, everybody's worried about. You know, Tua getting hurt. Any quarterback can get hurt. I know Tua's history. I got it. But any quarterback, as we saw in the first game, can get hurt. And if any, if your starting quarterback gets hurt, of course you're not going to make the playoffs. I I really believe that this was a preview of the championship game. Um, the Chargers, great great playing. Uh, Miami, great playing. And these two defenses are not nothing to scoff at either. These were just offenses outplaying the defenses, Byron. I like both of these teams this year. Yeah, absolutely. They they both came out very exciting. Um, I, I I like I like both teams as well. They're gonna be something to watch this this whole year. So I got the Giants. We can get to. I got ten minutes to rant and rave here. Um, you know, I almost I almost we almost didn't do the show on Wednesday night. I almost called out sick. I knew Jim, well. Jim was really was really nice about the Giants. So I you know Jim 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 is still okay, my boy. Yeah, we so, just missed Jack. We wanted Jack to call in and talk about it, but he didn't call in. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, I was talked out. You want to hear something funny, guys? I call yeah. my cell phone carrier, and he wants to talk football with me. He doesn't even know who I am. But, he, you know, he says, hey, what did you think of the game Sunday? And the guy is, was located in Pittsburgh, yet he's going on a rant about Daniel Jones. And he's from Pittsburgh. He's a Steeler fan. He says, how could the Giants sign him to that contract? He's just an ordinary guy. Didn't they see what he did off the first three years before the fourth year? He was going on an absolute rant. A guy in Pittsburgh who doesn't isn't even a Giant fan, he's putting the Giants down for, you know, that Daniel Jones signing. I was kind of laughing about it. All right. Well, thank you for that, Jack. So... Let's get to the Giants. Now, you being a football player, you know there are certain advantages that offense has, and there are certain things that offenses can do to offset the defense's you know, the use of their hands. And, of course, the first one is to change the snap count or the cadence. Daniel Jones definitely didn't do that. The Cowboys were in the backfield. As soon as the ball was snapped, the offensive linemen weren't even out of their stance, and Dallas was already going by them. I expect – that they will be practicing changing the cadence of snack count this week, Byron. I hope so. I mean, that's that's fundamental football right there. You got to be able to go on different sounds and different different snap counts and so forth. And I I couldn't understand why they don't why they didn't do any of that. And um, I guess they were just so caught up in you know the rest of the nonsense. The rest of the nonsense everybody's talking about, even Aaron Rodgers, changes the snap count and cadence at Absolutely. 39 years old. I mean, come on. Uh, you're not <laughs> – 
All right. I, I don't hey, hey, I'm going to say this. When I was coaching the little league boys, if I say alert, guess what? We don't snap the ball. We're we going to pull the defense offside. That's Let, me tell, you, let me tell you what bothered me about the giant 40 to nothing loss. It was more than just execution. Any team could have a bad game. Any team, no matter how good they are, you know, whatever reason the vibes aren't there when you wake up a couple of bad plays and but the giants had no one no leadership and the, the emotion for the most part comes from your defensive unit someone has to step up make a play get everyone riled up and i see thibodeau jogging after Dak prescott on one play jogging can you believe it he's on the other side of the field just jogging slow I mean, come on. And the that. Hey, that. The ball is snapped. Thibodeau's still in his stance while the play is going on. You know, Byron, me and Jack talked about this. Jack yeah. might be right. Thibodeau might be a bust. You know, he, he may have a, a good game against the Cardinals. He might. Might not. Yeah. Cardinals. By, by the time the half of the season is over, if Thibodeau doesn't get his stuff together, I can see the Giants trading him. Absolutely. He – yeah, he 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 should be more prepared than ever. I mean, he don't have no no more excuses. When you that have high draft charge, you got to be ready to play in the National Football League. He should have no excuses. You're absolutely right. There and is, you got to bring You got there to bring is talk that there is talk that the Buffalo guy they got boogeyman maybe maybe playing at Thibodeau's position at least half the time now. I mean, the the guy I. You know, we had a shout out Michael Parsons. I'm uh, that's water under the bridge. Yeah. The Detroit Lion defensive end that was 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 drafted in the first round. Hutchinson. Yeah, Thank Hutchinson. You, Hutchinson. Yeah. They Hutchinson. come in, they make an impact right away. We say, okay, oh, yeah. it each time to you know whatever. No, no, the time's over. It's your second year. Supposedly, you got your stuff together. You worked out hard. All this, all this nonsense. Get it to, I mean, start playing football or, or sit down. I, that would be me as a defensive coach. If I'm Wink Martindale, I'm saying, listen, do this or sit down. I expect Simmons to have a good game against the Cardinals' as former team. Normally, the, team, yeah. the players playing against the former team have a good game. I expect to see Simmons have a good game this game. By yeah. Right. yeah. I, I know. I think you're absolutely right. Absolutely. I, I, I just think um, the Giants have no excuses. I mean, from – from the coaching staff to the players, uh, how do you lose forty to zero? How do you not score? How do, I mean, just little small things that need to be said and 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 corrected. Hopefully, this week they corrected themselves. Byron, you blocked down to the guy in your gap. That's I mean, I taught this at at, at ten year olders to do this. Mm -hmm. I was in the high school field, and we had this huge defensive lineman that was standing across from me. Yeah. And I, I had the offensive lineman there. I would see, you want to know how easy it is to get leverage on a big guy, like to move this guy. And they're all sitting around. I took my head and put it on the shoulder pads and pushed them back. These are basic things that you yep. teach yep. kids yeah. and, and high schoolers. I mean, this, what I think happens, Byron, I think as some of these players become pros, they think they could just go on the field and use their athleticism and forget yep. about everything we're taught. And I, and the coaches have got to go back and reteach this to some of these athletes. Yeah, absolutely, and and I, I I agree with everything that you're saying, and 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 it seemed like to me they left everything in the locker room. They 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 was on vacation. I, I you know, 
And the Giants haven't lost since 1983. Yeah. 40 points. Yeah. Since 1983. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just little things that I, I you don't see in this day and time. And they've just... But, it, but it's attitude. Imagine the guys you played with, Harry Carson, LT. They would not have put up with it. Maybe they're going to lose the game bad, but they're going to get ticked off during the game. Oh, yeah. The effort is going to be there during the game. They're, go, they're not going to just throw in the towel during the game at any point when it's going that, that bad because those guys had, like, tremendous pride. You wonder about this giant team, that defensive unit that looks good on paper. I mean, it's just something about the attitude, the way they submitted in this game. But I will say this, guys. If I gave you guys any choice for who the Giants could play this weekend of all the NFL teams, you have the perfect team in Arizona. Absolutely. Do not agree with that. This is not no. going to be as an easy game as people think. The Cardinals have one of the most aggressive defenses in the league. Former head coach of the of the of the Cardinals is a former defensive coordinator of the Eagles. He knows the Giants. This is not going to be an easy game as people think. I, oh I'm yeah, unless and, and, I, I, go ahead. Barry. No, and plus you can just appreciate the Cardinals the way they played uh, play Washington. Really? Yes, that defense scored a touchdown on a fumble on a fumble sack. I'm I'm just saying the Giants better go down there with an attitude that they're 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 going to go out there and play their best football of the year, or they may get beat again. Oh, they have one to match. They were so bad against the Cowboys. <laughs> You're right. One more thing. One more thing, Byron. No halftime adjustments at all. No halftime adjustments. None. All right. I mean, what, what what are you doing? What do you, you go back there? You say, oh, you're doing okay. I I I, I didn't get it. I blame the coaching staff as much as I blame the players. The only coach that I say did a good job was Wink Martindale with his defense. They only allowed 14 points against that Dallas offense. That was the only silver lining of that game, Byron. That was yeah, absolutely. good. Okay, sorry. Yeah, right. and, and that's what that's what you got to build your momentum around. You got to make sure the defense stay intact, and, and and you got to keep saying that. But you know, also you got to get some leaders. I I, I you got to get some leaders. I mean. Harry Carson and all those guys would get yeah. up in your face yeah. and they, they yeah, would let yeah. you know that this is not the Giants. This is not what we do. This isn't, yeah. we don't do this. We don't play this way. How do you have a guy just run through the field goal uh, line like they did and block a field goal? You don't. I mean, like you, you say, they don't even have uh, gap blocking. No, no. The guy on the outside blocked the guy to the out, blocked the farthest guy out, just let him go right in. Yeah. You know, that's basic football again, Byron. And and this is what the Giants got to get back to. You want to use all that speed, trick plays. And all, do that as you go on. Yeah. The, the yeah. Giants will run. They better run Saquon Barkley 25 times this week. And, and pound that ball in there. He'll break one or two. And, and the Giants could win this game. If they go back and start throwing the ball again, I'm going to be heated. Uh, I'm going to come on the show and I'm just going to, I'm just going to yell at everybody because the Giants, the ball is better than that. Uh, I don't know about the offensive coordinator. I don't know if he's better than that or not. I know that special teams coach has got to go. The Giants yeah. special teams yeah. has sunk since he's been there. I don't even know why he's still a coach there. The They've always had problems. When Joe Judge was the coach, his thing was special teams, yet 
Same, same special calling. teams coach, Jack. They kept him. They've kept him, and they've kept him. I don't they know. Him. I, guys, I will say this. Brian DeBall is under no danger of losing his job. The Giants could have a terrible year, but based on last year, he's the coach next year, unlike Robert Salah. If the Jets unfold, Robert Salah is not going to be back next year, even losing Aaron Rodgers. I think he's, safe. I think he's safe now. because I think he's safe because of the Aaron Rodgers injury. Jack, yeah. I think he's safe now. Uh, let's yeah. Well, we'll we'll see. He's maybe a little safer if they don't have yeah. a good record. But Brian DeBall is going to be the coach next next year. The Giants. Daniel Jones is going to be the quarterback. Agreed. I think no matter what. I think they have a certain amount of rope that they're going to be given. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. just because yeah. of what what didn't happen in the past. Yeah, no lie, yes. no joke. Well, I got to I got to go downtown. So, Dallas. Byron. You know, I mean, that I, I had everybody been letting me All have right. it here. I, I just like been, I've been just been quiet. Hopefully, they can rebound. <laughs> make <their judgment. laughs> I, I mean, I hate, to, I can't even go nowhere in Dallas. I can't go nowhere here. So they kill, they killing me. And, uh, but anyway, but we'll see what happens. Parsons comes on and tells the coaching staff, you should have took Daniel Jones out in the fourth quarter because of the rain and he was getting killed. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> I mean, what else needs to be said? I mean, I, I don't He's know. Right, he was. Micah Parsons was right. Actually, let me ask you this, Byron. Right before you go, my Jets can they derail the Cowboys this week without Aaron Rodgers? Could they actually win the game? I think so because sometimes when a team uh, come off a big win like the Cowboys did, they they think they got everything going on. But I think if the Jets come here and play a good, sound, fundamental. Jet football game like they like they did in you know preparation. I just think their defense is still strong enough, and maybe they can beat them on special teams. So I think it'll be a good game to watch. It's gonna be the game of the week, I think. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I mean, I, I don't know. Zach Wilson still got a lot to prove to me. Zach Wilson we'll ain't that bad though, Matt. Zach Wilson's uh, not bad. He's not bad. Byron. I just think. Byron, I just don't think be since one of those been around people. Aaron Rodgers, since he's been around Aaron Rodgers, Byron, he don't be one of those him. people all of a sudden start singing praises of Zach no, Wilson. I'm not singing when praises. You know, when you know that they should – you're one of those that get rid of Zach Wilson last year. I mean, he hasn't changed that much. Yeah, come on. I mean, but, but I'm saying he got two great running backs and the receiver, Garrett, yes, man, yes, he's, yeah, he's off the yeah. chain. Uh, listen, oh. I agree. The Jets, the Jets have a good overall team. But Dallas Cowboys are going to put the smackdown on them. I'm sorry. It's going to happen. I hope not. I just say that. I hope not. <laughs> I know. I know. Okay. All right, I'll see you guys. I have to go. Thanks a lot, my Take friend. Care, we'll, see you. we'll see you uh, next Friday and uh, be rooting for the Giants this Sunday. Have a good well, we, yeah, because they got we got Thursday night football uh, here in Dallas. Uh, we go well. We're watching the Giants and 49ers against game. Kansas City um, against. Uh, we're playing. Who are we playing? The 49ers? Yeah, the 49ers. Yeah, we're playing 49ers out there in uh, San Francisco. So this be yeah. The this is a tough part of our first, schedule. Uh, I think this is a personal game. The Giants. We were talking about it. Before, we were talking about before Byron, the Giants. If they can get through this with. You know, to go two and three or play five hundred over the first six games are okay. This is a tough yeah. part of schedule for us. I mean, absolutely, it is. It's gonna be tough. It'll be tough. All right, all right. I'll see, see you guys. You. Okay. Take care, Byron. All right, Byron William, our NFL analyst, and Jackie. I mean, you know, no rest. You know, we got the cards, and we don't beat the cards. And San Fran comes in. You don't beat the uh, cards. It's gonna be 
treble this year because I'm going to oh. tell you, Matt, the numbers would be pretty simple. I think the Giants at nine and eight can grab a wild card position because I don't think the NFC, NFC East is strong. They'd have to then go nine and six, but this is one of the games you would think would have to be a victory on your schedule because if you play the Cowboys again, you play the Eagles twice, you'd have to make up this loss somewhere along the line against a really good team in a game that you maybe wouldn't be expected to win, then you'd have to win. And I'm not as high in the Cardinals as you are. You're talking about their defense. I think they're terrible. I think they, I don't think the Washington Commanders are too strong of a team themselves. I think they're struggling on offense, even with Eric the enemy there. And that's why the Cardinals played them a close game. But the bottom line is the Commanders won. They right. got the W. Even we, I hate to circle back to the Jets very quickly, and I'm only no, going to do it don't. quickly. But winning that game meant a lot as far as the tabloids go. Because if the Jets lost to the Bills, there's a good chance they're going to lose to the Cowboys Sunday. That means they would have been 0-2 and things could have spiraled out of control. Now that they want to know, even if they lose to the Cowboys, you know, they got that little cushion they could play with, which brings us up to Keith Angle in the 0-1 New England Patriots. Well, I, I wanted to, I wanted to introduce you guys. I'll see you later. I wanted to introduce <laughs> I wanted to introduce. Keith properly, the host of TGI Sports and one of the best handicappers in the business. Uh, <laughs> Some days. <laughs> so, I mean, hey, we all pick Seattle, Keith. What are you going to do? I mean, I, we I'll all pick money after week one. It's, uh, no, it's true. It's uh, true. It's a long, it's a long, long. It's a, what do they say? It's a, it's a journey. It's not a, a destination. After, it is a journey. That's correct. And I, I, I don't know if, uh, if you didn't post my picks, I thank you for that. Cause uh, my, Oh, uh, I did. I did. I did post, I did but, post your picks. And I will post bit, them again. It's a little scary right now, but uh, we'll see how it goes. It's only one week. That's true. I agree. That's very By the way, true. real quick before you jump, I know you got stuff you want to jump into Mac, but real quick, I agree with uh, Jack. Listen, when Aaron Rodgers went down the other night, there was a shock factor. They didn't play real well. Zach Wilson didn't play great when he came in. Um, they regrouped in the second half and played a really good football game, I thought. That defense is really, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Psychologically, that was a huge win for them, huge way to come back, and not just yeah. – because they could have easily folded that game up. And uh, I look at – they only need Zach Wilson to manage games. He doesn't need to go out and win games. He doesn't need to be Aaron Rodgers. There's enough talent on this team to win – if he just plays good football, that's all. I don't disagree with anything you're saying. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying the Jets aren't a good team. They are a good team. They just don't have a good quarterback. If it wasn't for Josh Allen throw, turn the ball for over four, four times, we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now. We would just well, say the Buffalo Bills beat, the, beat the, the New York Jets. That would have been the conversation. But you can't discount the Jets' defensive efforts and game plan in those turnovers either. Those contribute to those. Josh Allen played a bad football game. Don't make get me wrong. But the defense put in front of him contributes to those mistakes as well. So that's he, all I'm he rolls out. He rolls. He rolls out to his left. He heaves the ball downfield in the double coverage. Well, that's, that's a stupid play. I mean, that one. I I, I cannot excuse that one at all. No. No. So, if, he, if you're throwing deep on third down and it's an interception, it's nearly the same as a punt. So those interceptions 
Well, I don't remember. Maybe will take a shot downfield. I don't know what the circumstance was. If it was third and 100 and he did that, then you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keith, you take the guy underneath. You pick up the first down. Keep the drive alive. I Come on. I mean, that's that's stop trying to be a hero. Stop trying to be a hero. That's that's all I'm saying. So, Keith, we got some college football games coming up. Uh, You know, we'll go through the top 10. And if there's anything that that maybe you think is an upset or maybe – uh, something will happen that will change the outcome. And of course, we're going to, you know, we got to talk about Deion Sanders also. We were forced to, <laughs> you know, enthusiastic about that. It's part of the, it's part of, I mean, I think we all, you know, unknowingly signed a contract that we have to talk about Deion Sanders <laughs> every week. Um, so let's start off with uh, number three, Florida State at Boston College. Uh, I don't think there's a chance of Boston College upset in Florida State. I do not. Boston College is not a good football team at the moment. Their coach is probably one of on the hot, one of the hottest seats in the country. Florida State showed last week there was no letdown after beating uh, uh, LSU the first week. I like this. I like this Florida State team a lot. It should be no contest. Uh, we have Penn State at Illinois, number seven. Penn State. Is there a chance Illinois could pull up an upset here, Keith? It's a it, on the road, yes. Uh, Brett Bielema has done a really good job at Illinois. They had a bad loss at Kansas in Week One, but uh, Kansas is better than they've been uh, in most years. But there's a chance they'll keep. The, I think they could keep this game close. And they're not. They don't. Their offense is not. You know, like most of the teams in the uh, Big Ten West is not very good. Um, but they could keep this team close. Uh, this game close. I think Penn State will win a close game. Okay. Um, for um, Central. Florida against us, or is it Central Michigan against number Central Michigan against number nine Notre Dame? Keith, no game, no game here at all. This Central Michigan will not even come close to this game. Notre Dame's playing better every week. I know they, they keep people keep saying, ah, the first two teams they played Navy and they played uh, whoever they played in week two. Um, but they beat a pretty good North Carolina State game uh, team last week. So yeah. on the road, uh, that was a good victory for for, for uh, Notre Dame. Big question: Can number ten Alabama actually beat Southern Florida, Keith? They will. Yes, I think you'll see a big uh, bounce back by Alabama this week. I, I, I think so too. Western Kentucky University. Uh, at Ohio State, number six, Keith. Uh, you know, this is interesting. If this game was at uh, Western Kentucky, I might give them an upset uh, alert here. But uh, being at being, it's going to be at the uh, at Ohio State. This should be no contest either. I don't think. High scoring. Bet the over in this game. All right. Bowl Green, uh, and and take that for what it's worth, folks. Uh, with Keith's picks, I'm just warning you ahead of time. Uh, Bowling Green. Uh, at number two, Michigan. Uh, does Jim Harbaugh return this week or the next week? Next week. Yeah. Well, yeah Again, no. not gonna be a, yeah. this won't be a problem for Michigan. Uh, Wyoming at number four, Texas, Keith. You know what? Interesting game. Wyoming, uh, in fact, I picked them week uh, the first week to uh, upset Texas Tech, who is a lot of people's uh, darlings for uh, being a, a dark horse contender this year. Um, Wyoming's got a good football team. Texas, if they have any kind of letdown, it could be a closer game than we think they should win. Why, what, what is, is, Wyoming, is Wyoming a physical team, Keith? Is that what they are? No, they, they play like a lot of those Mountain West teams. It's kind of an out, uh, open, wide open offense. A lot of them play those air raid okay. offenses. and this, They play that same type of football. Okay. Um, 
And of course, we have uh, Southern South Carolina versus Georgia. Uh, I don't. I don't think. I. I don't know. Maybe it's one of the few upset chances that Georgia's got a fairly easy schedule through the the SEC uh, outside of a couple games. This is one of the games that I would have said before the season. South Carolina's not off to a great start, having lost to North Carolina week one. Um, but if uh, Spencer Rattler plays like he's capable of playing a quarterback, which he doesn't often do, it seems. Uh, they could be uh, in this game, but I, I I figured Georgia will probably be fine. So let's get to the most highest ticket price game this week. I think uh, college football game day is going down there. We got uh, Colorado State versus Colorado. Thank you. Uh, trash talking going on uh, between the two head coaches. Uh, what do you think, Keith? Is Colorado State any match for Colorado? Uh, based on what I've seen so far, no. And Jay Norvell, the coach for Colorado State, should not give Dion any bulletin board material. He has a, he makes up enough of his own. He doesn't need you to give him some uh, to rally his team. I think Colorado will probably have another year But reality sets in the next two weeks. They've got USC. Well, reality is going to be this, Keith. They're number 18 in the nation right now, Colorado, rated number 18. If they win this week, when they win, and if they win decisively, what number will they be next week? Well, it's at gonna, the end of this weekend. It's hard to say that because, I mean, if everybody wins ahead of them, then theoretically they'll be 18. So it's hard to say. Um, do I see them taking a big jump? If teams lose ahead of them, maybe. Top but 10, maybe. Maybe they sneak into the shot. top 10. I doubt they got any shot to jump into the top 10. They could win 70 to nothing this weekend. They're not jumping in the top 10. When When is their, their schedule? When does their schedule get a little tougher, Keith? Is it after this next game? Week, or Next week, they uh, they got back-to-back weeks. They've got USC and they've got Oregon. So they'll be 3-2 and two at the end of September. Okay. All right. We can write it uh, down we'll find out that they are really good. That's what we're right. going to find. Right, right. I have my doubts. Okay. Uh, little Yankees uh, judge hits the grand slam yesterday for the win. Um, I mean, you know, they're playing decent ball right now. Something to look forward to in the future next year. Um, you know, uh, I, I mean, at least it's fun again, Keith, to watch the Yankees play. It is, and they're playing spoilers, and which you know some teams get into, and you know other teams just fold up and get ready to go play golf. But the Yankees, I'm impressed with the way they've they've uh, battled here down the stretch. They do have something to play for. They've got this 30 year stretch of finishing yeah. over 100, which I yeah. think is important to them and important to the organization. Nobody's ever done this in sports, so they don't want that to go away. So I think it'll be interesting to see how they finish out deflating with the injury to Jason uh, Dominguez last week. That's been the kind of the one downside of this past week is he's going to miss most, if not all, the next season now with that uh, injury that he suffered last weekend. Keith, the big problem is this, and it's been a problem for a while, but I'm coming on board of it being a major problem. And the solution isn't to just eat all the money because it's enormous. John Carlos Stanton. What do you do with them? The only solution I can see is to convince him to play winter ball, to play the outfield. Don't let him tie up the DH slot. Play him in the outfield as a regular outfield. If he gets injured, so be it. 
So yeah. be it. You don't want to see anyone get injured, but if you can't play as a going to disable this, you can't baby the guy anymore. He's not hitting to make that, you know, that situation worthy any at this point. I would find it try to I would still try to find some sucker to take him. No one no one is gonna take the contract. I'm, Come on, Keith. You know that. But I'm saying we're going to have to eat a lot of the money, just like the Mets did with Scherzer and Volander. That's the only way you get rid of these guys. And you, even if you play him in the outfield, he's not a good defensive outfielder anymore, if he ever was. You watch the way he runs the bases. Imagine what you're going to get him chasing after fly balls. Uh, I, I don't. There is no answer. That's the problem, Jack, because you're right. They're probably not going to eat the money. And you're going to have to answer this, Kate. Is the answer this? You just keep him on the roster. But there's no, there's no longer any entitlement for Stanton. He has to realize you're a part-time player. Unless you produce as a part-time player, then we can elevate you back to full-time and just take it from there. And he's got to get used to being on the bench, and you play him when you play him. Look, it's happened to better players than him. It happened to Albert Pujols the end of his career. And, you know, you have to accept if you cannot but perform. Albert Pujols was at the end of his contract for the most part. Well, three so years they had to, three years he did not play every day, the last three years of his career. Well, David Wells, David Wells had a few things for the for the players. You know, he, he called them crybabies. And, you know, <laughs> you know and, and he covered his patch up. He wasn't going to support the sponsor, you know, at the old-timers game there, which I really liked. Um, and there's a lot of truth to what David Wells says. So, I mean, you know uh, – I'm glad somebody came out and said it anyway. And Wells never backed down from speaking his mind. No, I look at it. There's a lot of things I agree with, and I won't get into a lot. Hey, Kate, what's been in the news lately, the last couple of days, now it came out in 2014, A-Rod gave some names with the, you know, steroid situation in Major League Baseball. Now he's been considered a, a a snitch. I think he throws up. I, I think I think I gave him a headache when I talked about Wells. I don't know what. Yeah, happened. yeah, he doesn't want to. But Mac, <laughs> I, you can pick up on it in the meantime. But A. Rod claims to be a changed man, and if that was said in 2014, somehow I don't like it that someone who has gotten caught in a steroid situation starts naming other names. Yes. Somehow I just you know. I don't feel comfortable with that. And David Wells took A Rod to task. But isn't yeah, isn't but isn't that what A Rod is? A Rod does anything to try to. I, I don't know what he try. He wants to be everybody's friend, and he he's willing to you know to turn people in to get. It just that's a typical A Rod thing. Drama with A Rod, but it yeah. did go back to 2014, and A Rod supposedly claimed you know he's turned over new leaf the last few years how he's trying to be a better friend, you know, to people. And uh, Keith, we're talking about the A-Rod situation. Sorry, sorry about that. Uh, my, for some reason, my internet went down for a second. I don't know what happened. Did you get any of my David Wells uh, comments or not? No, no. We, we I thought I thought you had, I gave you a brain headache or something. Like that. <laughs> no, real quick on David Wells. I agree with a lot, what, a lot of what he said about the game. And I won't get into – I agree with a lot of what he said about a lot of stuff. I won't get into some of the uh, – political wokeness and stuff because that gets a little heavy for this show i suppose but the cover up the patch is a little self-gratuitous because the reason he did that is that he has sponsorships with other companies is why he 
covered up the past. Oh, I, I thought he was making a statement there. Well, oh. that, that, that goes out no, there. Guys, be honest about this. If you were in charge of a baseball team, a company, and you had a David Wells who you had to handle, supervise, you wouldn't enjoy a guy like that. Let's be honest about it. He's a pain in the butt. Well, he's he does speak his mind, and if you don't like guys that are gonna just you know be totally transparent, then yes, they will be tough to work with for sure. Yes, I mean he wouldn't be he a good salesman. a hard time with, with the Yankees. He did, he did, but I like the respect he gave the babe every time he went out to pitch. So he went yeah, out. That's the truth. That's the truth. Keith, let's let's talk a little bit about the the uh, uh, the Patriots. They're kind of recap the game against the Eagles. I thought the Patriots played a very technically sound game. Um, against a very good team. Of course, first game for both, too. Max Jones didn't look as bad as I thought he would against that Eagles team. And, yeah. uh, you, know, uh, you know, Cook helped you guys out a lot. He had a good game. Stevenson got it going late. Uh, it could have went either way, but, of course, the Eagles uh, escaped with a victory there. Yeah, um, we text a little bit, I think, after the game last Friday night, Mac, and I kind of agreed that, uh, look, at there are no more victories in this uh uh, game, I get it, but after the first five minutes of the game, there was a lot to like. Um, Mac Jones did play well. They gave him the latitude to, when he saw a shot, to take a shot downfield, which he did not have last year. He took it. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, much more involved in the offense last week, as I've been calling for uh, all of last year. Um, the running game was a little choppy early, but played well later on. Um, Probably had to give the ball a little bit too much to Zeke, probably because of uh, Stevenson had the flu. But he, he, they both played well together. The yeah. defense I thought was really good. A couple bad penalties at the end. They had a chance to win this game in the fourth quarter, and some bad penalties and and some things happened there. But you'll work those out again. A, a lot of this is week one and bad football. The Eagles didn't play a great game either. Uh, but I came away with a lot of things to like about this game. Um, not the not the final outcome, but um, I saw the things I like a lot. And you don't got it easy any easier uh, this week with Miami coming to town at a high powered offense. Um, yeah, it, it, are you gonna? I, I know, you know, Belichick will scheme for the Dolphins. That's how he. That's how he does. He'll try to control uh, Hill and and Waddle. Uh, what do you think, Keith? I mean, it doesn't look that good to me. It's it's tough because, you know, when you have one guy like that, Bill Belichick's uh, strategy has always been take that guy away and let somebody else beat you. But they got a lot of weapons. That's the problem here. You can't take them all away. So he's yeah. going to have to pick his poison. Um, well, where last week, I thought, and again, going back to last week just for a second, one thing they did really well uh, to take away that pass rush for the Eagles, and I said, I think, on the Sunday show, they'd run a lot of screen plays and quick hitters. So, so Mac Jones just get rid of the football and, you know, gain whatever they could gain. And that went well. And this time you've got to kind of reverse that and you've got to find a way to to take away the big play from Miami. And that's what – I think that's what they will protect against, the, the big play, right? So you'll see them give up a lot of yardage Sunday. It's a matter of can they keep them out of the end zone once they get down there. Would this be a coming out party for Christian Gonzalez, the uh, corner that they drafted who looked so good in training camp? It could be if they pick on him. He played a pretty good game Sunday, too, I thought. Uh, again, I thought the whole defense played pretty well. Um, this will be a good one. on Tyreek Hill? Um, possibly, but I think you're going to see a lot of different looks. I think you're going to see a lot of, a lot mixes. Of 
man. And there'll be a lot of different stuff trying to confuse Tua. Yeah, um, yeah. So I don't think you'll see like Gonzalez up against Hill all day long, no. Yeah, it, it'll be more a zone coverage, and especially uh, over the top. Uh, yeah. As you said, I expect the same thing, Keith. Make them drive the field. Hope they make a mistake. And, one of our one of the one of the Jones contingent got hurt in practice uh, yesterday as well, which might affect this. I don't know how badly he hurt his ankle. I think Jonathan Jones, the, who was their top cornerback last year, uh, we'll see how much that has an effect on Sunday. But it's going to be a tough game. And again, I, I, this is a game I'd like to win at home. So we'll see how that goes. What what did Aaron Rodgers getting hurt do for the Patriots? Does this make the Patriots uh, maybe a, a closer to getting the playoffs without the Jets? having that, you know, MVP quarterback there? Well, it certainly helps. I mean, I'm certainly not a guy who ever roots for guys to get hurt, so my team will do better. But uh, nobody wants to see a guy get hurt, But no matter how I feel about Aaron Rodgers and some of his nonsense. Um, I think it helps every team in that division. Myself, I picked the Jets, as you know, to win the division. I still think they've got the talent to do it if Zach Wilson can play mistake-free football. That's asking a lot, maybe based on what we've seen so far, right? I think I'm I sure think they're going to bring a veteran in there soon. I don't know if they, I don't think they have yet. Um, a lot of talk about some different guys, and I think you'll see a veteran in there in the next couple of weeks just to be a fail safe because I don't think they want to play. Uh, was it who's the guy Boyle? Who's no, the, he, I mean, he was, he's Boyle, a kind of actor. Well, yeah, Tim Boyle. But the thing about it, the Jet fans, I fear, weren't going to show a great amount of patience. That's why, I'm, in a way, I'm glad the Jets are on the road against the Cowboys this week because, you know, you're not going to have a situation if Zach Wilson isn't playing well of people getting on him. He's not going to hear it from the crowd itself. Yeah. And uh, I don't think Zach Wilson has as long a leash as people think, despite Robert Salah saying he's our quarterback. And I think the Jets are very sensitive who they bring in, that fans might start wanting that guy to start if it's, a name, if it's a name quarterback. So if they brought in some like a Brett Rippian, he's not a threat to Zach Wilson at all. But if you bring in a name quarterback like a Carson Wentz or Jacoby Brissett, they become a threat. Well, if they struck, I don't think it, they may bring, I agree with your point 100%. If Zach Wilson really starts to struggle, then maybe they do bring in one of the bigger names and hope they can catch lightning in a bottle, you know. But well, they need it, they need to bring in someone now, Keith, because they need three quarterbacks. They got to make their move well, now. No, no, Colt I mean, McCoy seems to be emerging as a favorite. Yeah, uh, Colt, listen, Colt McCoy is a guy who can go out and manage a football team with a yeah. really good cast around him and not make mistakes. So, again, that would be dangerous if you brought him in, they'd be calling for him. But anyway, to your question, everybody, I think it just makes this division just that much tighter, which it is already tight top to bottom. And I think it's that much more tighter now. Yeah. Well, I mean, as you said, it was, yeah. I mean, a lot of people, believe it or not, were picking the Jets to go to the Super Bowl. And uh, I, that, you know, to me, that was, that was. Listen, crazy. I was rooting for the train wreck. I didn't root for, I didn't want it to be an injury to be the train wreck, but yeah, uh, yeah. I wanted to be wrong in this pick. But I the Jets are one and no, they've won the only game so far. So come on, you know. I just said, I'm not, know. I've said several times in this last half hour, I'm not giving up on this team. They just need somebody to manage that position. That's it. Yeah. Keep you know, on. What do you think of Max Giants losing 40 to nothing to the Cowboys? Bumping the road. I, I think this is still a good football team. This is, again, it's a long season. I think it's uh, indicative of the fact that the way teams 
don't get prepared. We talk about this a lot with Jim Jeffcoat and and other uh, uh, situations. So that the the way they train is not conducive to getting ready to play real football. And the Giants got themselves <laughs> in a hole. This is a good football team when they and but with very small margin for error. They don't have the margin for error that the Eagles have and the Cowboys have. When they're clicking, they're very good. But when they get in a 60 nothing hole in the first eight, six minutes or whatever it was, uh felt like the first two minutes, but they're not going to come back from those games. They don't Daniel Jones doesn't have the weapons to just go out there and throw the ball all day long. You just you know, see. Keith, you know, Keith, I, I normally as a fan. Uh, and even as a coach, I want the team to be competitive because you want to, you know, you, you want to see where your weaknesses are and where your strengths are and where you need to fix. In this case, I think it's better that you just got blown out. I mean, you, yeah. had, you know, the heck with it. Throw it away. Let's start all over again because, you know, no what ifs. In this case, you just got beat down. Oh. You know, I, I mean, that is that I think is is helpful, too. I mean, you're going down. To me, it's one game. You're right. It's 40 nothing. Who cares? It's one loss and loss column. That's all it is. One loss. That's it. That, that's why the Giants fans and the Giants staff, I know the Giants staff's going to approach it that way. The fans need to as well. Listen, and when I say this, please understand, I'm not saying the Giants are as good as the Patriots during their, yeah, I, I their was Super Bowl run. Patriots have, I remember a year they got beat by a bad Buffalo team, 38 to nothing. Week one and won a Super Bowl. And I'm not again, I'm not saying they're as good as that. I'm saying even good teams get blown out. Uh, you know, so it happens. It's better it happens now than in week 13. So again, I would if I'm a giant fan, I don't give up on their season based on this at all. That's what I love about you, Matt. I'm not the big show. One of the questions was would you rather get blown out or lose a close game? And I said it's easier to get over it if you get blown out and then you just dismiss it. And you said, oh, no, no, it's better you lose a heartbreak, a tight game. And now you're saying with the Giants, ah, it's better they weren't competitive. What I'm saying, Jack, is when, as, as a coach, you want to know what your strengths and weaknesses are. The Giants have no idea what their strengths and weaknesses are after that game, except their defense that only gave up 14 points against the Cowboys. Offensive line is obviously their uh, big obviously. We were talking, Keith, about leadership with the Giants before you came on the show. With the Patriots, is the leadership coming directly from Bill Belichick, or are there any major leaders on that team? Um. I think that uh, I think there's a there's a leadership void definitely because of uh, on the defensive side when McCourty gone and I think it'll take some time for somebody to really assume that mantle. So I think you can say on that side of the ball he probably is having that impact, but somebody will grow into that role, whether it's a Duger or Judon. Or a Dujon could be that guy for sure. Um, on the offensive side. Mac Jones has to be the leader of that offense, and I that team needs to believe in him, and I think we're taking steps towards that happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, again, you know, going up against the Miami, you know, the Giants have, a, have had a very tough first six games. I mean, not counting the Cardinals. They got to play uh, the 49ers next uh, this Thursday coming up. Uh, so, I mean, if the Giants can finish two and three, I'm happy, Keith. 
Just keep it together where you're still in the, in the race. I think you can say the th- same thing about the Patriots. You know, as long as in the first five, six games, you can play near 500, you got a chance at, at making the playoffs still. There's been a lot of 0-2 teams, 2-4 and four teams that have gone on to have very good seasons, Super Bowl seasons. And, you know, again, do you want to get blown out 40 to nothing and all those losses? No. No. But uh, I, I, I think it's just again, an overreaction to uh, week one. That's all. Uh, both yeah, the year the Giants, uh, the year the Giants beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, the first of them when they snapped the Patriots unbeaten run. The Giants did lose the first two games of the regular yeah. season. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, it's yeah. easy to say that oh, you can come back, but time runs out very quickly in the NFL. If the Giants should lose to the Cardinals. They're looking at the 49ers next. So that, that means they're probably going to be 0-3. And the season, yep. I don't want to say is lost, but the season is practically getting away from them, you know, right off the bat. If that this, happens, this they've got to beat the Cardinals this week. They're not losing to the Cardinals. Cardinals are the worst team in the NFL. I told it to Mac, but Mac's trying to tell me about the Cardinals having – this stingy defense. He's trying to tell me, Mac, that the Cardinals have a good team. That's what Mac's trying to tell me. Thank you, Keith, for being a voice of reason. I think he's just trying to, if there should be some kind of major upset, because in my mind it would be a major upset if they beat the Giants. That way he can fall back and say, I told you they had a good team. Thank thank you, Keith. Uh, (laughs) A couple of Nick's notes and we'll let you go. Uh, Quickly, coming up on the extension, Keith, are we extending them or are are we trading them? Uh, who we talk about? For, uh, uh, quickly, for the oh, for quickly, the quickly, quickly. I thought you quickly. That's funny. I thought you said we were quickly coming up on the extension. <laughs> I extend him. Oh. I would extend him. I think he's a big part of this team. But again, we gotta be careful where we spend our money. I get it, uh, but I think this team we're heading in the right direction. I think he's a big part of that direction. So I think you gotta extend him. Keith, you don't think it's too risky? Yeah, they has a, had a small body of work where he looked really, really good. Okay, is he like kind of like the Daniel Jones of NBA players? You know, had one season. You want to give him the big money based on that because his whole body of work shows he's a good player coming off the bench, but not for elite money. No, but he's improved over his two years, and he's a kid too. Remember, he was in the league at like. 19 or 20 years old too so look at i think this kid is going to grow if he's and by the way you need good bench players as well so you know you yeah but play. the money he's the money he's asking for is in a bench player salary key no i get it but again in new york you, you you're going to overpay for guys that's that's just how it ha- works here all the time so i'm a big fan of the kid still and i would i think i would extend him rumors of the greek freak that, that the knicks are all in on trading for the greek freak uh, Keith, uh, Giannis comes here. They're going to have to give up a boatload. Well, and again, they'll get you know, the good boatload to give him, and it's going to cost a boatload of money for it to pay him too. So um, these rumors have started uh, since the end of last season, and I think it. I think he would be a huge. A, and look, he's a great player, and I think he would fit this offense really well. Actually, uh, he, he would be able to play with Julius Randle. I don't think, but I think you afford them both anyway. Um, but I think he would be a media darling here in New York. That's what I think. I think he would be four, Keith. There would be four number one draft picks: Barrett, Robinson, and a couple of other pieces to get. Him. I don't think they would get with Barrett. Realistic. I don't. 
again, I'm a Barrett fan. I hate to give up Barrett, but you would have no choice. He would have to be part of the deal with Milwaukee. If you see what the Knicks do with draft picks for crying out loud, most of the time, except for Barrett and except for maybe quickly. Um, well, actually, Quentin Grimes is good too. I mean, the crap draft picks are crapshoots anyway. I trade draft picks and Julius Randle for this guy in a heartbeat. Yeah. Now, if they're not three starters, that's different. Chief, that makes news in the papers, the tabloids. Giannis is will be a free agent, what in a year or so, I believe. So, why would the Knicks trade from they, they they'd risk losing him unless they could sign him to a you know an extension? Well, you know, the window to win isn't all that big either, and in two years he'll be two years older he's not you know he's been around a while now he's not a young guy uh he's not a kid i should say um i don't know uh, i'm i'm really intrigued by this possibility i really am yeah i mean having had a, if you, I if mean, you say Peter or or uh the greek freak well give me uh you know giannis any day of the week over no the, doubt the, i mean to have a center like that back in new york uh the fans would go out of their out of their I, minds he would be a media darling here it'd be awesome yeah. now yeah. would the team be any good i don't know we'll see <laughs> well well i imagine it would be pretty good but yeah i think Giannis is I good think, for about four i think so. yeah he's a really um, good player. you got time to stick around uh keith or you got to go I can I can stay for uh, a quarter of or so probably. All right, good. since the Philly guy hasn't come in, you could be the Philly guy without all okay. pain. Let me go get I'm my. Gonna, I'm going to tell you guys how marketable the Knicks are because I'm taking my son-in-laws to an NBA game. I was going to take them to a Nick game. I looked at the price of tickets and it was wow! It was like five times as much as the Nets. The Knicks and Nets are playing, you know, one night in late November. We're going to the Nets game because it's going to cost me a lot less, and it, it's expensive as is. But the Knicks tickets, even if you're going to sit in the boondocks, what it costs, it's crazy. Uh, it's been that way for a while. You know, they're no good. It was like that. So, you know, yeah. Mass I mean, Square Garden is Mass Square Garden. Barkley Center is Barkley Center. That's the truth. Fans, uh, you keep hearing about franchises saying players, well, we have the greatest fans in the world. The Knicks fans might actually be the greatest sports fans in the world, at least, you know, in the United States, because they haven't gotten that down on their team. Their team hasn't won a championship forever, and they haven't made a serious run at it, even though they got to the finals a couple of times. And they keep turning out the way they yeah. have. What loyalty. That's actually a great uh, point. Even the Yankee fans, when the Yankees are terrible, Yankee fans stay home. Um, so I think that's probably a good point. Knicks and Ranger fans both, I think I could yeah. say the same thing about. Yeah. So, Keith, a little bit uh, we'll cover with you with the Phillies, uh, the Eagles versus the Minnesota Vikings. Um, four turnovers by the Vikings against the Eagles. That That's not going to fare too well. But what was interesting is the Eagles, and I talked to Jack about this, and a lot of teams are starting to go back to the ground since they've been drafting all these fast, uh, light defensive linemen, and they've been first, you know, drafting mm -hmm. defensive backs in the first round. So I think the run's making a comeback, as, as you know, as the Patriots did against the Eagles too. I think the ground and pound is coming back, Keith. Well, you saw the Eagles run it 48 times last night for 260 yards ish. Um, three touchdowns. So again, I think you're right. And again, it depends on 
the team that you're playing, I suppose. Um, but you don't often see uh, four. What was it? Almost. A, I think it was a, almost, or maybe it was more than a two to one ratio run to pass uh, for the Eagles last night. That is totally contradictory to the way to most teams uh, are approaching this today. And um, you take what you're given. I think the, I, we were doing the show uh, before this, and of course it was a Cowboy fan that was bashing the Eagles offense last night. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Did I, you watch a different game than I walked, watch that? That offense was tremendous last night. Yes. Yes. So I mean, that big offensive line just pushed them around like they were, you know, they were playing college players. So, I mean, I could see that happen a lot more this weekend and I wouldn't be surprised uh, well, if in the next couple of years, we're going to be back to ground and pounding again. It's a copycat league, so absolutely. If somebody starts to have success or multiple teams have success, then other teams are going to go in that direction. It's always been that way on both sides of the football. So Yes. Uh, Minnesota, uh, Cousins did throw for 384 yards, but a lot of that was at the end of the end of the game, fourth quarter kind of thing, uh, you know, and, and the Eagles are just know, letting them go. To give the Vikings credit, yes, they didn't – they turned the ball – I mean, he threw four touchdowns last night. It wasn't all garbage time because they were within a score of the of uh, the Eagles in the fourth quarter. So it wasn't total garbage time. I get what you're saying. They were they, he had to throw the football, yes. So, um, but I wouldn't call it because uh, you know garbage time as we know it historically. They weren't thirty down. They were in the. They could have won this game in the fourth quarter, but could have could have. It was a bet. They had a. They didn't have a, a stop on a drive where the Eagles scored their last touchdown. They would have got the ball back with a chance to win. They didn't stop them. So, yes, Eagles also, teams, you know. And also, Keith, real quick, we talked about this earlier too. That stupid rules, reaching for the end zone, going over the pylon, and the other team gets it at the twenty yard line. That rule has to. That has to go. That has to go by the, the end of this year. I mean, that's great. Penalizing somebody for trying to get a touchdown. He's not trying to lateral it into the end zone for somebody to recover. That's ridiculous. No, that's a touchdown. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't that, get it. That is a bad rule. You see it, it seems like a couple, at least once a week, you see that play. Well, players shouldn't complain. Just don't fumble the ball. Well, there's that. Hold on to the ball. That's what you're supposed to do. But if you have control of the ball over the pylon, it's a touchdown. That's all you have to do. I, I mean, look. I mean, even when it doesn't go out of bounds, look what happened last year in the uh, playoff game between the Ravens and the Bengals. Uh, you know, Baltimore tries to quarterback sneak into the end zone, but they're like on the yard and a half line. They started to move too soon and the ball got, you know, taken away from them and returned for TD. You know, yeah. when you stretch out, you better be careful stretching out for those few extra inches. Hmm. Quarterbacks is dangerous for sure. I mean, there's a lot of hands and bodies and helmets moving around when they're trying to stretch that ball out over the goal line. It's a little bit different than this play, but I yeah, agree. yeah, you're 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 trying to score a touchdown. That's your job. Little Phillies news. Uh, here's the Phillies manager upset with the Braves celebrating after they're hitting home runs. Now I've watched the Phillies hit home runs before. Stand there and stare at it. Toss their bat. I mean. You lost the game. Let's let's just just chalk it up to you lost the game. This is what baseball is now. They they celebrate hitting home runs like NFL celebrates touchdowns. That's just the way it is. Well, you know, you, we used to take care of this on the field. You know, if guy showed you up, then next time up he'd get a little chin music. And but now nobody wants to pitch inside. And if somebody gets pitched inside, they all take exception to it. They don't. You if if you did that, 
you know, in the seventies, you'd expect to get hit the next time and you just go to first base and you'd accept it most of the time. Right. But no, the game is now, and I don't like some of that celebration stuff, but your guys are doing it too, by the way, Rob. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and Bryce Harper was the one who said a couple of years ago, we shouldn't be so sen sensitive. Batters should be allowed to celebrate when they get a big hit, a home run. And he said pitchers should be allowed to celebrate. They strike out. It's not like showing up the opposition. Like yeah. if you point to the pitcher, like I got you that time, then, you know, you can annoy him when he's at a down moment if you're making it personal. If you do some really over-the-top histrionics, like Randy Rosarina for Tampa Bay is another is a guy I just hate what he does. He takes him an hour to get around the bases. He kind of does this little thing at third base, and I'm like, Gee, just run. You know, I get it. You should be able to celebrate, but let's not take it too far. Yeah, but, but in all, there's a certain point where you cross the line. Take tennis, for example. If a player in a major tournament in the finals loses a heartbreaking game, he goes to the net to shake hands with the guy who won or the woman who won. And if they're on their back, lying there celebrating, not getting to the net in a timely fashion to shake hands, it, you know, it could tick the person off. What about a team with the Stanley Cup when they line up at the end of a series, the losing team to shake hands and they see the winners celebrating? They don't want to be around there for that. They just want to give a quick sportsmanship congratulations and get out of there. So sometimes you have to consider the losing person or the losing team's feelings. They they don't want to stay there to see the celebration. Then they should have played better and won the game, you know. Than, there you or, go. You know. There you go. There you go. I listen. I I I don't think it's a big deal, but anyway. Uh, Keith, I want to thank you for filling in for the sport, Philly sports guy. You did a great job. Maybe I would have been on my face if I known it was going to come to this. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for sticking around, Keith. You have a great day, and we'll see you okay. on Sunday, brother. All right. Have a great weekend. See you, Keith. Thanks. Keith Angle from TGI Sports stopping in as he does on every Friday. So, Jack, in the last 15 minutes or however long it takes, if it's shorter than that, we'll talk a little bit about boxing. Um I see that uh, Shakur Stevenson and Ed Edwin Los Santos agreed to fight in November 16th. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was going to start off with something else with that, but you're okay. right. Uh, Edwin de Los Santos and Shakur Stevenson are fighting in reportedly November 16th. That's because Frank Martin, the unbeaten Frank Martin, an elite prospect at lightweight, was supposed to fight Shakur Stevenson. And then Martin pulled out of the fight because Martin kind of wanted to renegotiate. It never made sense if you were if you were the promoter of Frank Martin because he's unbeaten in 18 fights. He's a top prospect. Why would you want to throw him in with Shakur Stevenson, one of the best fighters in boxing, a young elite talent in his own right who has more experience than Frank Martin? It wasn't a good fight for Frank Martin, who could have a great future in the sport. But part of the reason may have been the purse splits. Shakur Stevenson reportedly was going to get in the neighborhood of $5 million, and he offered Frank Martin $1 million. But the fight's for the vacant WBC title. So why should Shakur Stevenson be getting so much more money? He's not the champion. He's not doing Frank Martin a favor. 
by giving him a shot at the title. So Martin wanted the, he didn't want such a purse parity. He wanted to be a little closer to 50-50. And I think 60-40 in Stevenson's favor would have been fair, but it never got to that point. Stevenson's attitude was, well, you take what I give you. I'm the big name here. But they're fighting for vacant WBC title. So, you know, so Martin didn't, so Martin kind of pulled out, but I feel the real reason Martin pulled out, I think his promoters saw this is really risky. Shakur yeah. Stevenson's a great fighter. This is, isn't such a good fight for their man at this stage of his career. Yesterday, Max, was really a historical day in boxing. It was 100 years to the day that Jack Dempsey knocked out Louis Angel Furpo. He knocked him out on September 14, 1923 in the Polo Grounds in two rounds. Now, that fight was historical. I'll give you an example. In 1950, Mac, 1950, they had a poll, the greatest sporting event of the last 50 years. This was from 1901 to 1950. Uh, 1900 until the end of 1949, or however you want to cut it. And Dempsey Furpo was voted the greatest sporting event. But now if you speak to people, sports fans, they won't even remember the fight. That shows you the way it was historically lost in time. But in the Dempsey Furpo fight, 1923 at the Polo Grounds, there were 88,000 fans in attendance. Imagine that, 88,000 fans. And the fight starts with Louis Angel Furpo, who was from the first fighter from Latin America to ever fight for the heavyweight title. He fights the icon Jack Dempsey. He knocks him down to start the fight. Then Dempsey knocks Furpo down seven times. And at that, and in that era, Dempsey wasn't forced to go to neutral corner. The rules didn't make the fight go to the corner after you knocked an opponent down. He kept knocking him down, knocking him down. At one point, it looked like Furpo wouldn't get up. He barely got up at nine. Then Furpo starts swinging wildly. He backs Dempsey off. And one of his rights knocks Dempsey out of the ring. Dempsey lands his feet high in the air. He crashes into a typewriter. He bangs the back of his head. That should have put Dempsey out. Dempsey gets back in the ring before the 20 count. Now, people think of the 10 count. That's if you get knocked down in the ring. The rules are if you get knocked out of the ring, you have to count until the count of 20 to get in. Someone's got to do something about that rule, Mac. Imagine the fighter gets knocked out of the ring and he tries to take the steps up in the ring and he's by the other guy's corner. They're like in his way, blocking him, <laughs> not letting him get through. Yeah. The fun we would have with the controversy. But Dempsey gets back into the ring. Some people claim he was aided. He was pushed back. Yeah, people are trying to push Dempsey off. him. if Dempsey's landing on you, you want to push him away. Don't lean on me, your back. But <laughs> no one lifted Dempsey up and helped him to his feet and got him onto the apron. He got on himself. He got back on the ring. Dempsey claims he didn't remember anything after that. But the bottom line is, he survives the rest of the round, and within a minute, 57 seconds to be exact, the round two, the following round, he knocks Furpo down twice. 
and the second knockdown for both counted out. There's a famous painting that was done by the artist George Bellows, the most famous boxing portrait, I think, of all time, because you could find it in museums. Right. You could go into restaurants. It shows Furpo swinging and Dempsey out of the ring in his feet in the air. And people don't even know it's the Dempsey Furpo fight. They just see it like as like a portrait. Right. Okay. And uh, some one of the legendary fights of all time, you know, Dempsey Furpo. Nine knockdowns in three minutes, 11 knockdowns total in three minutes and 57 seconds of actual fighting. That's crazy. I mean, can you imagine today if you didn't have to go to a neutral corner? I mean, that's that's, that's just crazy. Just well, my buddy Frank Laterzo said it on last night's show. We had to love fist. Can you imagine George Foreman standing over a guy ready to club him? How are you supposed to get up? You want to know something? Sonny Liston, and I didn't mention this with Frank, later would use that as an excuse in the second fight against Muhammad Ali. Right. Uh, he got knocked out in one round. A lot of people think it was a fix that Liston could have gotten up. And Liston did later say, I could have gotten up, but the reason I didn't get up because Ali was standing over me like a crazy man, like he was going to hit me. You got to, yeah. he said, you got to put one foot, I mean, one hand on the canvas, you know, to help yourself get back to your feet. So Liston said he was rolling around kind of to get away from Ali, who was standing over him, challenging him to get up. So that was kind of an interesting thing that Liston said, well, if he put both hands up to, you know, one hand to get himself up, Ali would have hit him because he was standing right over him. Yeah, who knows, right? <laughs> I don't <laughs> believe that, but, you know? Yes. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, Dempsey did that with Jess Willard. If anyone wants to go to YouTube, when he won the title against Jess Willard, he stood right over Jess Willard. Every time Willard tried to get to his feet after getting knocked down, Dempsey would be hitting him these savage punches. How do you defend yourself when you're trying to get up off the campus? A guy's standing over you, and he's going to keep hitting you down. I don't know. Kick him? I, don't, I have no idea, Jack. I don't wow, know I you, mean, what a rude change. But it came back to haunt Dempsey eventually, uh, or maybe helped him indirectly. The long con against Gene Tunney, right. 1927, when he tried to regain the title, they had the new rule put in. If you knock your opponent down, you have to go to the furthest neutral corner. And in the rematch with Tunney, he knocks him down in the seventh round. Tunney's badly hurt. Dempsey starts to go to the neutral corner, then instinctively comes back because he wants to hit Tunney. The referee starts counting to the count of five. Then he stops counting because Dempsey's not in the furthest neutral corner. He sends him back to the furthest neutral corner. And then he starts to count all over again. And according to whatever you want to believe, Dempsey was either deprived or winning the title by not by Tunney getting the extra time. Or it could have been the best thing that ever happened to Dempsey because had he gone to neutral corner and waited, maybe Tunney, as I think he would have, would have beaten the 10 count. And there wouldn't be any controversy that would have added to Dempsey's iconic status. Great stuff. Great stuff, Jack. So, folks, we're coming to the top of the hour here. I want to thank you all for joining us. Thanks to Byron. Thanks to Keith. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with the Saturday Debate Show. Also, the big football show on Sunday. 
uh, joining. We'll have a lot of a lot of uh, super fan guests. We even got the super cowboy coming in, which will, you know, super help. cowboy coming. I didn't know that, Matt. Yep, he's yeah, coming in. And, these guys up. And Jim Jeffco will have some, you know, have some cover from us as we're attacking the Cowboys, as we always do. So, folks, Friday eight to nine, Sunday. Uh, 8 to 10. Join us on the Mac and Jack Sports Show. Have a great Saturday. Stay safe. We'll see you tomorrow.